that's the thing. Where's your passion? For some people, that doesn't mean anything. I was in technology working with with all this computing equipment. I never felt that emotional connection that I do with real estate. So that's really key is is get in touch with your own passion because real estate may not be for you. Go find what's for you, where you feel that passion because you know, other people, 80, I bet 80 or 90% of the population don't even like their job. That's crazy. I liked my job in high tech. I had a wonderful career in high tech. Didn't always love it, but I had a wonderful career. And now I have a wonderful career. At age 76, I have a wonderful career still investing in housing because I can take a piece of junk and make it into a beautiful residence for someone. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Azria Show where every investor in Arizona gets an opportunity to learn from the best. So on today, we have my co-host, Mike Delpreet, based out of Central Phoenix, and I'm in the Southeast Valley. And today we have a very special guest, Alan Woodruff, and he hails from Prescott. So he is in the northern part of the state. And Alan has been investing in real estate since 1968. Yes, guys, you heard me, 1968. So guess what? We're going to be able to learn quite a bit from Alan. So make sure you delay. Alan, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. And you're right. I'm from beautiful Prescott, Arizona. Moved there in 2004 and was very lucky. I noticed that a lot of things in life seem to just serendipitously happen. And I got a clip one day from someone. I I went to Prescott as an investor after having a high-tech career. And yes, I'm definitely more than 29 years old, so I hope I haven't lost credibility already. But 2004, I got my license and I was in the brokerage office one day and someone handed me a little news clip and it was one inch by one inch and it announced this investor meeting. So I said, hey, I'm going to that thing. And I went as a little group of like eight or 10 people. And six months later, the moderator handed it over to me and said, okay, you're in charge. Wow. And it was like, what? <laughs> and that was 2006 that I took over. So I've been running it since then. Uh, we built it up to 42 people at the peak in 06. And then we ran around 30 and had a speaker every month. And it was uh, really good. Great networking, great event. And of course, then COVID happened. And, and so that's been more of a challenge running on Zoom. And we've shifted interestingly, to more of a mentoring focus rather than the training we were doing. The tra- the training's there, but it's more from sharing. So my view is everybody's a genius in some way. And mm-hmm. the question is, in what way are you a genius? What's your special skill? What are your talents? What's your style? Yeah. You've got it. You can build a success. And we each just do it differently. 
And none of us are competing with each other because we're all unique. So, so, so Alan, that's quick. what our meetings. Go ahead. Not, not to interrupt, because we're definitely going to get into your to your meetings, because I know you have valuable input. But tell us what your special interest is in the field of real estate. What's your expertise? Are you a fix and flipper? Are you a landlord? Are you an apartment syndicator? Give us a little bit of background about of Alan Woodruff. Okay, great. I hope you don't mind if I go back like a few decades. I yeah, want to tell that story. Take because hey, <laughs> Yeah, I was in, I worked for the de- Department of Defense when I got out of school. And here I am in this Navy lab overhearing a conversation in 1968. And I said, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they said, oh, we own apartment buildings. And I go, holy moly, tell me about how do you do that? And they said, well, just read this book by Wayne Nickerson, how I turned a thousand into a million in real estate in my spare time. That was my entire mentoring program. That was my entire training right there. I don't remember our talking about it again. I read that book. 30 days later, I owned my first duplex. Wow. Two years later, I owned 15 rental units. And then life happened and <laughs> it shifted a bit. But the thing that really struck me, and I still remember, was the fascination I had when I bought that first duplex for $1,000 down, the thing cash flowed. And I stood there and I thought, this thing pays itself off. How many of these little old boxes Mm. do I need that are going to go free and clear in the next 30 years? Here I am, 24 years old, 30 years from now, how many of these do I need that I'm set? I wasn't out to be some real estate mogul. I just wanted financial security. I wanted freedom. To me, that's what it's all about. Life's about breaking free, hey, Alan, having freedom of my time, freedom of my choices. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. So, so big, a big thing you said to me, especially for people new to re- real estate investing, you said, I read the book 30 days later, I had my first duplex. So what were some of the key points, like whether it was mindset, action, like what, you know, that's where a lot of people get stuck is you know, I want to get my first deal to get caught up in that. It might take six months, a year. What, what got you to do it in 30 days? What are some of your characteristics, attributes that you did during that time? Right. And I want to stress, I knew nothing about real estate. My dad was in land and he told me, don't do this. It's a pain working with tenants. Don't do that. He kept telling me, don't do that. And mm-hmm. I just shook my head and I did it because it turned out I loved working with tenants. All the things he was lousy at, I was really good at. So I think the key was facing that fear. And believe me, I had it, same as anyone else would on the first deal. I had the buyer's shakiness. And I think the key is really having a sense of purpose, a vision of what you want. For me, again, I don't think I knew how much it was freedom, but it certainly was a sense of, I want financial independence. I grew up with no money. In eighth grade, I didn't have a dollar to contribute when every other kid in class did. If you've got a defining moment like that that's painful, you're driven. And you don't have to have, you know, whatever it is, that's up to you. But, but to have a vision, here's what I want. 
And I truly believe in, in financial knowledge, expertise, but that sense of being responsible for my life, not leaning on the government for help or, or mom or dad or, or some inheritance, but to say, I can do this and then view it as an art form. So I think first is seeing breaking free to financial independence. And I think once you get your basic needs met, then it's a way to be, in a way, an artist, a contributor. So, but the main thing was having that vision, having that realization, holy cow, I need to have a few of these. And my number was just a few. It wasn't, I need 50 houses. It was just, I need a few. They're free and clear. How many of those would pay my way? Right. Not to be rich, but just would make me financially free. That was really it. And then it was just taking action. And probably I, the benefit was I didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. Therefore, yeah. I didn't know any better. Yep. I didn't know that I shouldn't just plow ahead. So I just did it. And I, I want to tell you, when I was in the duplex with the, with the carpet layer, the lady is standing there laughing. And I said, What's, what are you laughing about? And she said, you're so funny. <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean? She said, she said, you're so serious. Now, I looked, here I was 24. I probably looked 16. I looked like a little brat. And I probably acted like one, too. But, you know, that was it. I was, I was, I was serious. I was absolutely determined I'm doing this. And I think that's important to say, what is it you want? Do you really want this? Or do you just want something easy? Because if you just want something easy and you're doing it for the money, I think you're doing it wrong. I wasn't doing it for the money. I was doing it for the freedom. I was doing it for the expression. And I hit the ground running. I loved real estate. I loved everything about it. I loved working with the tenants. You got to find that. You got to find that synergy where you're just on fire. So let's take a quick break and we'll hear a word from our sponsors. A supporter of today's Azria show is Azria Business Associate, Boomerang Capital Partners. They're coined as the best flip and lender, providing financing solutions to help fund your next fix and flip project. For more information, visit boomerangcapital.com. So there's one thing you said there, Alan, that I keyed on, and it goes back to Mike's question, was what was one of those characteristics that you believe that investors should have in order to be successful. And what you basically laid out was, you gotta have that determination. You were focused. So determination, focus, you took action. Nothing stood in your way. You said, I just need a few duplexes. So I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna find out how I can purchase a few duplexes. And you did exactly that. You didn't say, I gotta have this grand master plan. I got to have this vision board. I got to lay it out. In five years, I want to do this. In 10 years, I want to do that. No, you said, let me see how I can how I can find a couple of duplexes and buy them. Simple enough. And I like how you reframed it, like little boxes. Like people get so nervous. Oh, this is, you know, $100,000, whatever it is. It's, how am I going to ever get that money? It's because it, no one's used to that type of thinking, but really it's just a little box, dude. You just got to maintain it, take care of the people inside, keep it in good shape and the money will roll in. So, so let me ask you this, Alan. Absolutely. 
You said in eighth grade you had, or it was either eighth grade or eight years old, everyone else had a dollar but you. So let me ask you, when you got started and you bought that first box, that first duplex, where did you get that $1,000 down payment? How did you structure it? Because again, dude, you were 24 years old, 24 years old in 1968, I believe. I don't think too many people were thinking about real estate investing. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because, uh, boy, it's keying too many stories. I went back <laughs> in the Navy lab after when I was doing that, when I was doing that first deal and there were other people who started, there was a, a gal and a guy there. And I said, how come you guys aren't doing real estate? My God, this is great. Oh my God. I'm jumping up and down. And they the looked at me very, very calmly. They looked at me and they said, and have to fix the toilets. And that was the end of the discussion. And I thought, no, you get to fix the toilets. You get to do all of it. You get to work right. with the tenants. You get to collect the rent. And, and you get to, by the way, you get to get on your hands and knees and change the floor tile. And, you, you know, you get to do all of that. It's a privilege to get to do that because guess what you see at the end of the tunnel? You see financial independence. You see people paying you depositing money in your bank account every month and and you're not even calling them the money is just there and yep. the joy of providing housing is not about the money i know i'm going to talk and mention money but it really isn't it's the joy of providing housing you can't imagine the joy when someone looks at you and says oh my god thank you Thank you. I've sold houses to some of my tenants and I can call them today, five years later, and they go, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you for selling us that house. That's our home. And, you know, that's the thing. Where's your passion? For some people, that doesn't mean anything. I was in technology working with with all this computing equipment. I never felt that emotional connection that I do with real estate. So. That's really key is, is get in touch with your own passion because real estate may not be for you. Go find what's for you, where you feel that passion. Because, you know, other people, 80, I bet 80 or 90% of the population don't even like their job. That's crazy. I liked my job in high tech. I had a wonderful career in high tech. Didn't always love it, but I had a wonderful career. And now... I have a wonderful career. At age 76, I have a wonderful career still investing in housing because I can take a piece of junk and make it into a beautiful residence for someone. That's fantastic. So I feel like this is great, right? So in hip hop music, right? It's common if they say something really cool or really great, you rewind it to hear it again because it was so good. So one thing I want to say here is I, you went over quickly and it says, I don't have to change toilets. I get nope. to change toilets. That's a mindset that I actually, you know, I heard a, an ex-Marine give a speech two weeks ago and he touched on that as well. And I don't have to take out the garbage. I get to take out the garbage because it's going to keep my house clean and, and it's going to be great, you know, for my family and we have a better place kind of thing. Like just taking that have to, to get to, on every part of your day is a game changer. And thank you for bringing that up. It's all about perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I had that vision. And this is another important issue. Here I was age 27 and I had 15 rental units and boom, my wife takes us off in a different direction. And, and this is a real key to me. And I use that word, my wife took us off. That was irresponsible. No, I allowed myself to get distracted by someone else. You gotta be true to your mission. I lost a decade by going off in another direction. The, the masculine energy is in charge of mission, purpose, and all that. You gotta tap into that and own it. And you know, I just read recently, life is one mistake after another. And actually that sounds so negative, but it was very freeing when I read that. I said, yeah, just accept it. You can make lots of mistakes and yet you still get where you want to go yep. and recognize really there are no mistakes. You learn from all those. So really there's no mistakes, but I still like that saying life is one mistake after another. But that message of, of mission and purpose, I was distracted for a long time. Here I had 15 rental units. I literally went back to one and it was like 12 years later that I started building again. Wow! And that's wow. the key. Do you want it or not? Life's going to bash you around. You're going to get hit. You're going to get punched. You're going to get knocked down. Do you get back up and get in the game and quit crying about it? Or do you just stay down and moan that, wow, well, I had all this. And, you know, you got to get back up and, and hit it again. And here I am at age 76. And I'm kind of glad it worked this way because, you know, what if I already had $15 trillion? I might be tempted to just quit. And, and then what do you do? What do you do? Retire? People say retire without realizing retire means to remove from service. That yep, sounds an yep. awful lot like six feet under to me. Yeah, sounds mm -hmm. like it. <laughs> well, Alan, you know what, man? You got me fired up over here. You, you're talking about Same purpose. Here. You're talking about passion. You're talking about mission. Man, you got me ready to go. And one of the things that I'm excited about it is, is because you're 76 years old and you still got that same drive and you still got that same fire and passion for real estate as when you did when you were 24, you know? And then you, you hear a lot of people that make excuses. Well, I can't do this because I'm too young. I can't be a real estate investor because I'm too old. I can't be a real estate investor because I don't have any money. It looked like Every roadblock that was faced in front of you, you overcame that and you still have that same passion and desire. How do you convey that to the people that you teach in Prescott that's in your subgroup? You know, one thing I've realized about, quote, teaching is that you can't teach. I can't teach anything. I go, you know... I've been involved so many decades and I learn something every day, whether it's a, it's a book that I'm reading, I'll get hooked on something and I'll read a paragraph at a time and I'll have an insight. And then I go, Oh, I got to go teach this. You know what? I don't, I'm not convinced you can people learn. Look, I'm only learning now because right now I'm ready for that next thing. I learn. what I can do is just try to be present, show up and say, and be available. I'm, I'm working right now with a 22-year-old guy, and it, it's fascinating to me because he's willing to just jump out there and do it. 
And I've been in, I've been in uh, three different coaching programs that were, that came to me through Ezria. And I noticed in a group of 35, typically there's maybe three people in the group who are really doing it. They jump in and do it. And everyone else, and I don't mean to be judgmental because I'm that way too. How much did I really do those? I would say I didn't. I would say I was a lousy student. But what I did do is I forced myself in every class to say, I'm at least implementing this program so that I at least could test it to see, is it for me? And in every case, I learned something that it may have been just fine tuning what I do. It may have been, what's the target buy I make? What's my target customer, my target tenant? If I just made that one tiny shift, that's worth literally hundreds of thousands of dollars or a million. I made one shift and I bought a house that I would never have bought. It was a piece of junk in Prescott Valley. You couldn't even see it because the weeds were up to the, <laughs> up to the top of the house. It needed new septic. It needed new, new roof. All of this, the garage door was smashed in. I got it for 39000 It's now worth $200,000. I got it because I was in the program and made the little shift of what type of property I was willing to buy. I bought properties in, in Indiana for as cheap as $100. I would never have done that. And by the way, just for fun, life is one mistake or another. That $100 house wasn't worth $100. I let it go. Yep. Are you, are you investing in other cities besides Prescott? I invest, uh, my big investments were actually in the Valley. They were in the Phoenix area through the Great Recession. Okay. I, like I said, I retired from high tech in 2004, uh, moved to Prescott, bought there and held on. So I had properties that were ready to drop in value. Luckily, got, got out of some of those. I had a forecast that said we were going into something in the 2009 timeframe. So I started moving to capital. So I got halfway moved. So I had money to invest in Phoenix through 09, 10, 11. By 12, my numbers didn't work. I buy by the numbers, by the way. I, I look at cap rate and I make my decision by the numbers. I literally was making buys that were better that for properties I did not see than the ones I saw. Now my broker was seeing them, so it wasn't that we were shooting blind, but it focused me on what is the cap rate? How do the numbers shake out? Those were my best buys. So yeah, I bought in Phoenix, I bought in Prescott, and then in 2014, when to me prices were already out of line, which, which shows again, life is errors. Hey, I could have kept buying and look where yeah. it's gone since 2014. But I moved to investing in Indiana and it was very depressed, even more depressed than Phoenix was in some ways. Oh. And, uh, and I've been investing there since 2014 and I still invest there. So, so what, I am invested today and in go ahead. So what part of Indiana are you, are you investing in? It's a suburb of Indianapolis. There you go. And Indianapolis is one of the one of the hot, hottest markets in the Midwest. So I think you're I think you're well positioned, Alan. Well, I'm happy with what we've done there. And this, this area that I invest in was, by the way, I want to tell you the extent of my market research there, because it shows that it shows that 
Yeah, you can do very extensive analysis. Peter Lynch pointed this out. What do you know that Wall Street doesn't? He walked into a barbershop, got a haircut and said, this is a good investment in bank. He made money on whatever that whatever that chain was. I went into this community and I talked to people. I talked to the waitress. Everyone I talked to, I'd say, do you like it here? Every single person groaned and grunted. No, I hate it. This is terrible. And I said, well, how long have you lived here? Every right. single one of them had been there their whole lives. Every one of them. And I go, bingo, there's only one way to go. <laughs> yeah. The place is, is distressed. And by the way, this community was 20 miles up the freeway from beautiful areas that were, that were booming. And I just looked at it and I took a gamble. I said, the money's got to flow 20 miles further. And today, that's still, that community still has a lot of boarded up homes. It still has these properties that I pick up at tax sale for a hundred. I picked up recently 1,000, 3,000. The most expensive one was 45,000. It still has that wonderful junk. I affectionately call it junk. And, and I should rephrase that and say it is renovation ready to provide beautiful housing to people. And that's what I love now. That's the passion I have combined with building my Roth IRA because, hey, I can build a portfolio that's tax-free. I love that idea of not only having all that rent money, but to have that rent money accumulate tax-free forever. Yep. That really jazzes me. So, so, But I love that. So, and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. We were asking you if you, you invest out of state because Mike and I, we both invest out of state. We're, we're big Midwest investors. Mike <laughs> invests in Cleveland. You invest in Indianapolis. And I invest in Chicago and the surrounding areas. And normally when we talk to people about investing, you know, in the Midwest and in the Rust Belt, you know, they say, well, you know, it's a bunch of junk houses up there. But like you said, Alan, when you ask people how long have they lived in these towns, it's always my whole life. Well, guess what? If you've been living there your whole life, you're not going anywhere. You still need affordable housing. And we're the right people to provide that affordable housing for you. So, man, Alan, you're 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 preaching to the choir here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that, yeah that, absolutely. And that's a great addition to, you know, your subgroup, you know, investing out of state is starting. To, it feels like it's starting to become more popular and more people are, are willing to take that leap out of their backyard. And the fact that you can, you know, show someone the ropes on that is, is awesome. Yeah. So, so I'll just ahead. mention again, this issue of serendipity, I think, you know, life is one mistake after another. I went through note school. That was one of the one of the several that I did. And uh, I bought a note on a property in many in uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, which I'm not uh, that area. I'm not fond of because I don't like communism and they seem to like something that's too close <laughs> to communism. They're sticking sticking fees onto the onto the lender and onto the property. Personal responsibility is key to me and some government entities. At any rate, I won't get too far off on that. But the point is, that was actually a failure. I actually lost money on that deal. But that one note, I went through the whole cycle. I got four notes worth of training out of that. And I almost broke even on this $20,000 note. And it was the best thing that ever happened. Mm -hmm. So it was a perfect example of 
fail your way to success because the thing it taught me was number one, hey, I can go out of state. I always had the premise property had to be within one hour and I expended that to two hours. My whole investing career, I kept with that. And here I am how many miles away? I mean, I'm a three hour plane ride away, yep. but I saw, hey, I can go out of state. It was, and again, let's talk serendipity. It was a year later, someone from Azria called me and said, hey, tell me about such and such in Northern Arizona. And I gave him some insight. And then I said, and what are you doing? And she said, I'm investing in this community. Here it was a year after that experience in Milwaukee, where I said, hey, there's opportunity there. That note I bought for 20, I could have bought a house for five. So what sense did it make? Notes yeah. didn't jazz me, but the idea of buying something cheap did. I listened to a tape program. It was called Filthy Riches. It had the same message, buy something for five grand. So you get these ideas and it may be a year later, it may be five years later, something hits. And she mentioned that and boom, I was on it. It was just like what happened in when I started. Just I just jumped in. I went and put offers on, on six houses and I bought four of them. And I got, by the way, four houses with improvements was $100,000. And I was willing, I was in a position to be able to say, this is my beta test. This just gets me going. I'll see how it goes. I can spend a hundred grand, you know, probably I can unwind this and not lose anything, but I just jumped in and did it. And I made lots of mistakes. I had the wrong property management. I had a lying contractor. I went through a lot of pain, worked through the process, and I've done more than 30 more houses since then in that market. So, you hey, know, Ellen. it's it's a matter of just saying... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and the um, great point, lying contractor, right? That I think that's something that we all feel at some level is finding a contract, whether it's your local market or an outside market. What are some tips or some things you can give to a, uh, our audience about finding contractors? You know, that's a great tip. And I'm going to give a little more of a philosophical answer, <laughs> which is make sure you are in alignment with your true purpose and who you are. And when mm -hmm. you talk to someone else, make sure he's in alignment. The big red flag was when I first met this individual, we were sitting at a, at a Starbucks, he and I and the broker, and I asked him, do you like what you do? And he said, no, I hate it. I thought he was joking. Big mistake. Wow. I should have pursued that because if another person doesn't love what he's doing, I want nothing to do with him. That guy was the biggest liar and he never admitted to any lie. I mean, he lied on, on quotes. He lied on how many yards of carpet. He lied on what he was doing. He had four. I gave him all four projects. Big mistake. My, pro, you know, that's my fault. Stupid. I should have split them up and found another. I gave him four. He did one of them. And he would literally say, I'll be done next week. And I got on a plane and went there. He hadn't even started. I mean, he was literally lying and would never even wow. admit, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you the truth. He would never. It was all BS. So, but that's the key is I think it's a matter of 
if you bring presence to what you do, if you're truly there, you'll see things and sense things beyond the words. And if I'd paid attention to that and pursued that, tell me about that. You say you, you, say you hate it. Well, what do you mean? I, I didn't do that. And, yeah. and I don't know if that was true or he was joking. What I do know is that in my book, he was a skunk. And you got to get away from the skunk or you're going to be smelling the result. That's right. That's right. So, Alan, so you talked about, so you did learn something from that. You, you know that, hey, when I'm looking for a contractor, what they say is not always, it, it's true in a point, but you got to dig a little deeper and you got to ask those open-ended questions. Like you said, hey, why don't you like doing what you do? You know, and give me some other clients that you've spoken with or that you've worked with. So doing your due diligence with those contractors, you know, could have saved you on all four of those projects. How did you disposition those projects or how did you kind of rebound from the mistake that you made with hiring this contractor? Yeah, unfortunately on those, I simply slugged it out. I was ready to pull the plug on the last ones, but he was clever enough to start each of them. So it made it more awkward. If he, if he'd only started the first two, I could have cut and switched, but I, I slugged it out with him and I was literally to the point of saying, this was a mistake. I'm out of here. Fortunately, I'm working with the broker who I really liked. He was the one party out of everything that happened. I really liked him. He's still, he's expanded by the way, not only is he my broker, he's really now my business manager in the market. He, he does the property management now. He does, he's involved with with prop, property qualification. So that's the flip side. Once you find someone that you have a good energy with, good synergy, uh, your standards line up, then nurture and feed that relationship and make sure that one grows because you've got to acknowledge it's who, not how you get things done. You need something done. Who gets it done? Because you ain't going to do everything yourself. Or if you do, why you're limited to the first, you know, the first handful of houses. If you want to expand to 50 houses, you really need to see where do I get leverage? So, okay, you know, yeah. Awesome. So, so where were you? And, and we're going to be wrapping up here in a few minutes, but I want to make sure that we get in about your Prescott as group up there. But before we get there, you spoke of leverage. Where were you getting your money from for these deals out of state? Was it money that you already had or was it capital that you was raising from other people or was it hard money? How did you find the capital in order to do these deals, Alan? Yeah, let me let me go back to the beginning to put put the roadmap in perspective. Everything I did from 1968 was as leveraged as I could get. That went up through 2004 when I retired from high tech, moved from some other state west of here, doesn't need to be named, uh, <laughs> and right, because I may not be popular. Took At that point, I had cash, and when I moved, having lost money in the stock market from being an over-leveraged, I was probably too shy with leverage. So most of what I bought in Arizona at that time was was fairly unleveraged. It was largely cash. Buying through the Great Recession in Phoenix was all cash. By then, I had 
you know, I had accumulated enough, I could fund myself. Now, there's programs where people like the Burley approach, where you use other people's money, where you use private money. But I chose, because I had it, I didn't want, I wanted to put my own self at risk. I wanted to feel a sense of responsibility. And that's what I did. When I went to the market in Indiana, same thing. That was all cash, highly distressed properties. No bank would ever lend on anything that I was buying. And that's a target I have today. By the way, if my wife go inside, if she'll go inside that house, I won't buy it. It's no good, huh? (laughs) He has to be disgusted. (laughs) Okay, that's interesting. So, you know, that means means there's a lot of value add. Somebody... That's a great metric to look at. If the wife won't walk it, then... Go ahead and buy it. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> At least that's one filter anyway. Gotcha. Here's a quick look at the many events Azria has coming up soon. Be sure to visit azria.org to register. On Monday, May 10th, we have our Phoenix monthly meeting in person at the Doubletree Mesa Phoenix. Join us for a trade show networking, market update, and a presentation by the Greater Phoenix Economic Council. This meeting begins at 5.45 p.m. Our Phoenix Monthly Meeting meets the second Monday of each month. On Tuesday, May 11th, is our Tucson Monthly Meeting online. We will do power networking, haves and wants, and a market update for the Tucson area. This meeting begins at 5.45 p.m. Our Tucson monthly meeting meets the Tuesday after the second Monday of the month. Also on Tuesday, May 11th, our Raising Capital and Options subgroup will be meeting in person. Network with other investors, share ideas, ask questions, and further develop your techniques. This meeting will begin at 6 p.m. Our Raising Capital and Options subgroup meets the second Tuesday of the month. On Wednesday, May 12th, our residential assisted living subgroup will be meeting online. Join to hear from guest speakers, network with others in the residential assisted living space, and talk about the good and the bad of this investment option. This meeting begins at 6 p.m. The residential assisted living subgroup meets the second Wednesday of every month. On Thursday, May 20th, our notes subgroup will be meeting online. Join to learn about investing in promissory notes, learn the differences between different types of notes, and learn from others in this group. You will have the opportunity to network and do business with other note investors during this time. This meeting begins at 6 p.m. Our note subgroup meets the third Thursday of every month. Also on Thursday, May 20th, the beginning investor subgroup will be meeting both online and in person. Join to meet other investors in a small group setting to share ideas, ask questions, and to network. This meeting begins at 6 p.m. Our beginning investor subgroup meets the third Thursday of every month. You can find more details on these events and information regarding if they're being held online or in person, as well as their locations, on the calendar page of our website. Be sure to check back often as these events are subject to change. Visit azria.org and click calendar. We hope to see you soon. So, Alan, tell us about you're in out of state, you're investing in state, and you're educating people in Northern Arizona. Tell us about your Prescott Valley Real Estate Investors Group. 
through Azria. Right. Well, I can tell you where we're right now is we're still on Zoom meetings. And I admit a lot of folks miss our face-to-face meetings. So we've really, really cut back in terms of our group meetings were a lot smaller. And where opportunity is there, where you, it's a bad thing. We've cut back to people, but it's a test because that means here we are talking really as a mastermind group and sharing ideas. And so we've got a mix of people who've been involved for decades and we've got someone who's brand, everyone can contribute, everyone can, can help each other. And uh, so they like it more than what we did before. But some of us have some, you know, a special professional. And I noticed that's a mindset. I had feedback from someone. They said, well, we want a professional there. Well, what do you think I am at this point? (laughs) If I'm not a professional investor, if you you don't see the value, I'm sorry, you're missing something here. Open your eyes. I think in our society, everyone's a genius in some way. In some way to listen to the other guy and hear how he's a genius. That guy in our group who's a star, he's out there making offers every day. He's a genius. How many people do that? Let me ask you this, Alan. So what are some of the things that you guys discuss and go over in your Prescott meeting? What are some of the topics that you guys go over? I would say we don't. We don't have that agenda. You know, I'd express it this way. How can we help you? What do you need? What information do you need? What guidance do you need? And I would also say on the flip side, how are you ready to help the next person? To me, that's why you asked before, why do I do Azria? It was really giving back. By then, I felt a sense of of gratitude for what I had, and I still do. I always like, uh, number one, I like sharing ideas. And number two, it's a sense of giving back. I want, I want other people to be financially independent. I don't want an America where everyone's relying on the government because they're deceiving themselves. It's right. so much joy to build and become financially independent. It is a kick. To break free is a kick. It is fantastic. So, you know, that's it. How can we help? And it's not how can I help. It's how can we all help each other? That's what it's really about. And, and to me, that's, that's exciting. I like our group. I like our Zoom meetings. A lot of people don't want to be on Zoom. You know, my, my comment is get over it. It's here. Right now, it's yeah. here. So just do it. So, Alan, if I just recently moved to northern Arizona and I'm looking to be a real estate investor, how can I find your subgroup? How can we get in touch with you? That way we can be a part. Oh, it's very, very difficult because we hide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, there's this, there's this really difficult website called Azria, A-Z-R-E-I-A dot org. So I realize that's way too complicated. I apologize for that. But we're listed on that along with all the other subgroups, all the other education Anyone who's not involved, if you want to be an investor and you're not involved with Azria, you're just making a big mistake. That's all. It's a wonderful resource. I owe a, a big debt of gratitude to, to Alan Langston for putting together such an amazing, amazing group. We take it for granted in Arizona, but we've got the best RIA in the entire country. And we have probably the greatest 
density of real estate investors in the country. I mean, it is amazing what that does. And it's that issue of collaboration, of sharing. People are so willing to share. So Mm -hmm. that's what it's all about is, is having the desire to learn and the fact someone's there to share and save you so much effort. It's fantastic. Love it. Yeah, that's, I mean, you have a wealth of knowledge. Just show up, like you said, show up, ask your questions, you'll get them answered, you'll get the resources you need. Yeah, I definitely want to get out to, I can't wait for things to, you know, hopefully open up. I definitely, Marcus and I, I'm sure we'll take a trip up and visit you as well. That'd be great. That'd be great. And you, by the way, don't have to wait for that day. Z-O-O-M.com. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. You got me. You got me. <laughs> so, guys, if you're in the Northern Valley or wherever you are in the Valley and you want to learn more from Alan, just go to azria.org. That's A-Z-R-E-I-A.org. If you want to check out the Prescott subgroup, go to azria.org forward slash meetings with an S hyphen subgroups with an S. So that's asria.org forward slash meetings hyphen subgroup. So that way you can learn more from Alan personally. You guys see and you, you can hear the passion. You can hear the enthusiasm that he have. And don't forget, he's 76 years old. So if you think you're a 25 or 30 year old and you're going to run rings around Alan, I highly doubt that. So, <laughs> so Alan, in parting, man, what are some words that you can give some of our newer investors that's looking to get started? You know, I think one of the key things is we all get have a fear of failure. There's probably a fear of success too. But I'd say what Zig Ziglar said, whatever happens, First, just force yourself to say, that's good. That's good. Oh, the rent's late. That's good. Oh, the city wants me to do this. That's good. Then go find out what's good about it. Because hiding in every adversity is the seed of the opportunity. And keep in mind that that stuff happens to you. It's happening to everyone else. Did they stop and you kept going? Then the game is yours. So really recognize that that, you know, there's there's opportunity there. You get to embrace the risk rather than fearing the risk. Risk is just a pop quiz. Most of us through school didn't like pop quizzes. You know, if I could go back, I would love to have that attitude and say, a pop quiz, oh boy, a pop mm-hmm. quiz, I get to prove it. <laughs> yep. You know, what shape I'm in. View life as a positive pop quiz where you get to to test yourself and, and prove that that you can do it. That's really the thing I think of. All right. Well, Alan, we really appreciate you being a subgroup leader with Azria. We really appreciate you sharing on the podcast here. And we really appreciate all the input, the content, the education that you are exposing those in Northern Arizona and across the state to. So um, signing off here, Alan, I just want to thank you. I'll give you a personal round of applause for everything that you're doing. Yes, thank you, Alan. And we can't wait until everything is over so we can meet in person, in person. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you so much. And we will resume shortly. Take it easy. 
Thanks for listening to the Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Del Creek. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org, join our community, and make sure to listen in to our regular podcasts.